This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Be looking at a reading from, from John chapter 20. This will be the focus for our sermon. And here, Jesus appears to his disciples as the resurrected Savior. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he he showed them his hands and his, his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your fingers here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, as we gather to celebrate Easter, we pray that you would give us a living hope, resurrect our hopes, Help us to to believe in you, to see you, to know that you are alive. I pray that that you would work in us a, a kind of joy that only you could give. And don't let me, your servant, get in the way of what you're doing. Amen. A few months ago, uh, Pastor Bill and I were, were looking at our preaching schedule, and, and we, we discussed it and we we said that, that Pastor Bill would, would get to preach on Christmas Eve and I would get to preach on Easter. And, and so I was so excited. Months ago, I was thinking like, I get to preach on Easter. This is my first Easter here at Victory. And I was, I was already making plans on what I thought it would be like. I had already kind of planned how, how we'd, we'd come in here and we'd have Easter breakfast together in the Victory Cafe. I thought about how we'd come in here and the church would be packed, just like it was at Christmas, packed. Maybe we'd reach 800 people or maybe more. 
I, I had envisioned that my family may be sitting right about there, uh, my wife and daughters in their Easter dresses, and, and my son and I may wear a, a matching Easter shirt, and then, and then we'd worship Jesus together, and, 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 and people maybe be coming to faith together, and, and we'd be hugging and, and, and shaking hands and, and just celebrating that Jesus is alive. And then maybe after the worship service, come up here as a family and, and take our, our Easter photo by the cross and put it up on Facebook and how happy we all are as a family together celebrating Easter. And then I was looking forward to afterwards going to our, our family Gady um, family Easter party. I, I go to the Christmas party, but as a pastor living in other cities in the past, I've never been able to go to our family Easter party. But, but now that I live in Milwaukee by family, I do the, be able to be part of this party. It's like 50 people gathering together in an Easter egg hut and all that stuff. I was looking forward all these things I had planned out, but I wasn't planning on a pandemic. And, and, and all of a sudden, all those plans changed. What were you planning for Easter? Were you planning a, a trip to Disney World, a family vacation for Easter break? What, what were your plans? Were you going to gather together and, and go to worship as a family and maybe have an Easter party and an Easter egg hunt with maybe some neighbors or friends? What were you planning for Easter, I guarantee you weren't planning on a pandemic. And everything, it just all changed so fast. It was like a month ago that, that or just a little bit more when, when all of a sudden we were told that the NBA was canceling, that the NCAA tournament was canceling. And, and then all of a sudden we, we started hearing that, that, that school was getting canceled and, and businesses were closing down. And, and it went from we could gather in groups of 250 and then it, it turned into groups of 20 and then 10. And now we're really supposed to all be staying just basically in home, locked in our homes. And because things haven't turned out the way we planned, I don't know about you, but, but many of us were filled with fear. Fear about maybe losing a business or losing our job. Maybe you already have. Uh, maybe there's a fear that, that maybe you're the next one to get sick or maybe the fear of someone that you love. Maybe there's a fear of the future. I mean, how long is this going to take? How long are we going to be isolated and, and not able to see family and friends and get together like we like to? How long is it going to be until we can worship together in the same building filled with fear, locked in our homes? Well, if that's how you feel, I know this is strange. This is a strange way to celebrate Easter, locked in our homes, filled with fear. But it's not unique. In fact, it's, it's pretty similar to the first Easter. See, the, the first Easter, things didn't go according to plan, at least not according to the disciples' plan. It was a week before Easter when the disciples were, were, were celebrating as they were coming into Jerusalem with Jesus. And he was fulfilling all these Old Testament prophecies. He was riding on a donkey. People were, were waving him with palm branches. And they were planning by the end of the week, as Jesus rode into Jerusalem, he would have kicked out the Romans, started a kingdom where he is king. They saw themselves in places of authority and power that he would reform the whole religious system. That's what they had planned for the rest of their week. But everything changed so quickly. They didn't plan on Jesus getting arrested in the middle of the night, Thursday night. They didn't plan that, that in the middle of the night, they would set up this kangaroo court and in the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders, 
and, and trump up these false charges and be filled with anger and hatred. They were supposed to be on, on God's side, but, but they were against Jesus. They, they didn't plan that they were going to haul him off before Pontius Pilate and, and make all sorts of false accusations against him and demand that he be crucified because he was setting up a rival kingdom. They didn't plan that by Friday evening he would be hanging, tortured on that cross, and that he'd be dead. They didn't plan on any of that. And because life wasn't going according to their plan, they were filled with fear. In fact, look at what what John writes on, on that first Easter. This is what John says. He says, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for the fear of the Jewish leaders. And so the disciples are locked in their homes, filled with fear. Now, I want you to try to picture what that could be like. Do you, do you know anything about being locked in your homes, filled with fear? I mean, can you empathize with that uh, even a little bit? Of course we can, right? And, and so they're locked in their homes, uh, afraid that, that now Jesus has died, and they're afraid that they could be next. And in the middle of their panic, in the middle of their fear, Jesus shows up. The resurrected Jesus shows up in the middle of their house. And and, and it says this, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Now, now that was a common uh, Jewish greeting, shalom, peace. But but man, it it had so much more meaning coming from Jesus at this time. Shalom means, means peace or wholeness or everything's the way it's supposed to be. You see, things didn't go according to the plan of the disciples. This was not according to their plan. But when Jesus shows up and he says, peace be with you, in that moment, they could see that maybe it didn't go according to their plan, but it was going according to God's plan. See, their plan was too small. They just wanted to get rid of uh, the wrong politicians, the wrong government. They just wanted to get rid of, of and reform the religious system. Jesus wanted to be the king over all things, the king over death, the king over our sin. He wanted to defeat all of our greatest enemies, sin and death and guilt and shame. And so he showed up among them and said, peace be with you. And this wasn't just like a a wish, a, a hope that there was peace. Jesus was alive and and he proved that to me. He says, after he said this, he showed them his hands and side. He he showed them his hands and side. He he showed them the nail marks. He showed them the the marks on his side. He was showing them that this was according to plan. And maybe he didn't go according to their plan, but Jesus willfully walked into death so that he could come out the other side, defeating death, being resurrected. He defeated their sin, their guilt, their shame. Everything was going to be okay. Everything was going to be okay because God was still in charge. Things were going according to his plan. And when they got this, that that Jesus came back to life, that he was really dead, his heart stopped beating, his brain waves stopped firing, his lungs stopped breathing, he was really dead on that cross. And then three days later, he came back to life. When their brains wrapped around that idea, it says... The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. 
They were overjoyed. They had this fear. And because Jesus showed up in the room, nothing had changed on the outside. Uh, they, they still had enemies. They, they still had uh, the religious leaders didn't like them. Um, they, they still had the Roman government oppressing them. They had all these problems still, but because Jesus was there, they had peace. Because Jesus was there, they had peace. And so their fear turned into joy. And, and that's all it would take, right? Jesus' presence. And so I, I want to say something, uh, make a statement and see if you agree with it. Here, here's the first statement I want to make. Number one, if Jesus lives, we have hope. If Jesus is alive, if he rose from the dead, if Jesus lives, we have nothing to fear. We can have hope. Now, do you think that's true? Maybe you don't agree with that. Maybe you don't agree that Jesus, you don't know if Jesus really is alive. You don't know if he's resurrected. But, but if it is true, if that first part of that statement is true, if Jesus came back to life, if he conquered over death, then you have nothing to fear. Then you still have hope. Do you think that's true? If that, that first half of that statement is true, would the second half be true? If Jesus is resurrected from the dead, if he is alive, then we have hope, right? Then our greatest fear of death, that our greatest regrets are gone, that the greatest fear of death has been defeated, that we have absolutely nothing to fear, that not even this pandemic can hurt us. So if Jesus is alive, if he rose from the dead, we have nothing to fear. We have hope. So what would it take for you to believe that? What would it take for you to be, to be sure that Jesus is alive? Well, it would be nice if, if Jesus would show up physically, right? He did it once 2,000 years ago. He, he showed up behind these locked doors amongst the disciples. He showed up there and he said, peace be with you. That's all it would take again, right? If we could just see his presence. So I'm going to wait for a moment and, and wait and see if Jesus shows up in your living room. If he does, please put in the chat room because we're all going to come over to your house. No matter what the social distancing rules are, if Jesus shows up in your room right now while you're watching this, we're coming over. So I'll give a moment. Make sure you let us know if Jesus physically showed up in front of you. Anybody? Not yet? Well, if not, if Jesus didn't physically show up where we can see him and touch him, how can we be sure that he's alive? I mean, how can we be sure that this is real, that we're not just making this up to make us feel better? How, how can we be absolutely sure? Don't we need like more evidence and more proof? Well, if that's how you feel, you're not alone. That's how Thomas felt. There was one disciple who wasn't with the rest of the disciples when Jesus showed up. And let me read to you what happened. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, that means twin. He maybe had a twin. We don't know. One of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. All, all 10 disciples said, we, we saw him. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And so, Thomas makes some pretty strong points. He's like, you know, I'm not ready to get my, you know, I'm, I'm not ready to get my hopes up. I'm going to hold on to my fear a little bit. I'm going to stay locked behind closed doors until I see some more hard evidence. Uh, I want, I want to touch the nail marks. 
I want to touch his thigh. How do I know it's really Jesus? I want to make sure we, we get some DNA tests. I want, to, I want to see this Jesus. I want to touch his hands and his side. I need some more proof. And until I get more proof, I'm going to stay living in fear. I'm going to stay locked behind these doors. I'm going to live in panic and live in fear of tomorrow until I get more proof. Well, guess what happened? This is what happened a week later. Verse 26, a week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Jesus showed up and and he almost kind of scolded Thomas, like, Thomas, how much evidence do you want? You, you have 10 reliable men. You, 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 10 reliable men. And you've heard me talk about this. You have all the scriptures. Why couldn't you believe that? Why wasn't that enough for you? Here, here if this is what you need, touch my hands, touch my side, stop doubting and believe. And, and, and Thomas, almost in a word of repentance, says, my Lord and my God, I'm so sorry. My God, Jesus, you are my God. I, I, I can't believe I, I didn't. Put my faith in you. And then Jesus speaks to Thomas and, and kind of lets us in on this. He says, uh, uh, then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. He says, because you see me, you believe. But, but you know what, Thomas? There's never going to be enough evidence. There's never going to be enough evidence. Um, and we see this all over the place. For example, in, in another book of the Bible, Matthew chapter 28, after Jesus rose from the dead and he's standing with his disciples right before he gives them his final commission orders. And, and so he's alive, standing before the 11 disciples and, and Matthew makes this really honest comment. He says, we worshiped him there and yet some doubted. Jesus is standing right in front of the, the disciples and yet some doubted as a way to say, you know what? There's never going to be enough evidence. Sometimes you just need to take a step of faith. Sometimes you need to believe. And that's our second point. Believe before you see. Believe before you see. Now that doesn't mean it's a blind faith. It doesn't mean like that, that there's a completely blind faith, like there's no evidence. There is tons of evidence 300 Old Testament prophecies pointing to Jesus. Um, the, the evidence of the witnesses of the early Christian church, that, that you had this movement that just exploded, that all of the apostles died saying they saw Jesus alive. I mean, there's just incredible amounts of evidence. Almost how much more do you need? There was a man named Chuck Colson. Maybe you've heard of him. He's part of, he's, he's in heaven now, but um, he was part of a ministry called Breaking Point. And, and actually what he's most known for was he was part of the Nixon um, politicians, the Nixon government in Watergate. And because he was part of the Watergate scandal, he, he went to jail. And when he was in jail, he became a Christian. And, and, and Chuck Colson says, I know the resurrection is real, Watergate told me. He said, um, the apostles, these, these poor fishermen, followers of Jesus, they all held on to their faith that they saw Jesus alive for 40 years. And they never changed their story. In fact, they died saying they saw Jesus alive. 
He says, that's completely impossible if it's not true. And then he says, in my experience with Watergate, we had 12 of the most powerful men in the world in that room, and none of us could hold on to that lie for longer than a week. And so there is plenty of evidence. It's just time to take a step of faith that Jesus is alive. You don't have to hold on to your fear anymore. You don't have to lock away all your fears in your, your heart anymore. You, don't have to, you can get your hopes up because Jesus is alive. And if Jesus is alive, hope lives. But how do you keep believing? When, when so many things are swirling around, how do you keep believing? How do you keep that kind of faith? And, and John tells us, at the end of, his, of this section, he, he, he kind of makes this little note, and it's, it's really beautiful. He says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples. You know, John's one of them. He, said, he did a lot of things around us. Jesus bore many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. John is saying, I could have written endless amount of books. There are so many great things that Jesus did, but, but I limited to what I wrote to you in this book. I gave you these signs, he calls them. Signs that miracles are, he calls them signs. Signs that point to Jesus. I gave you enough signs. I gave you enough miracles. I told you enough in this book so that you can believe. I gave you plenty of evidence. And that's not just true for the book of John. That's true for all of the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. And it's not just true for, for the gospel writers. It's true for the whole New Testament. And it's not just true um, for the New Testament. It's true for the whole Bible, in fact, this is how God wants to appear among us. You want to see the, the, the resurrected presence of Jesus? The resurrected presence of Jesus is as close to you as your open Bible. The resurrected presence of Jesus is as close to you as your open Bible. Now, I know this Bible is a complicated book and it's 66 books, so library books and ancient Middle Eastern culture written over thousands of years with all these crazy, strange stories. But that's why Pastor Bill and I are here and that's why we have this staff here and that's why we do this whole ministry here is to walk alongside of you so you can be a follower of Jesus, so that you can believe, to, to, to help put this all in context, to help you walk with Jesus. And so that's what we do. And that's what we're going to keep on doing. Pastor Bill's going to have um, more and more opportunities that and I will too uh, in these upcoming weeks. Tuesday nights and Thursday nights, if you go to votl.life, you can see Pastor Bill's having a Bible study on overcoming anxiety. And I'm going to talk more about this sermon text and dive deeper on Wednesday mornings. When you go to votl.life, you can see that. Then there are there's our daily Bible reading plan. Many of you guys started with us. If you go to votl.life and look at our Bible reading, you know, maybe you started, maybe you fell off, or, or maybe this is new to you. We're on day 90. Jump in where we're at today and, and let us continue to walk with Jesus. Because the resurrected presence of Jesus is as close to you as your open Bible. That's how he wants to talk to you. There is enough evidence. There's enough proof. There's enough for you to see to know that he's real. Now, none of us was planning on this pandemic. This was not our plan. Uh, we, we'd plan all these other things, but, but maybe 
it's because our plans were too small. It's a little over a month or so, we were in a meeting with, with, with some people here at church and, and Sammy, our communications director, brought something up that, that, that just really kind of struck me. She said, you know, she's been hearing or thinking about this, that, that watch out, this could be the start of a, a revival in our world, a Christian revival, a turning back to God. And then Pastor Bill's been saying this, and I think he's right. You know, this Easter might be the most well-attended, the most engaged the world is in the Christian message than ever before in the history of the world. You see, maybe things didn't go according to our plans because our plans were, were too small. I was hoping that maybe our little church could, could reach 800 people. But guess what? The last few weeks, we've been reaching, like, it might be, we don't know. We don't know how many people are behind those computers, but maybe thousands of people. And maybe today, as you continue to, to share your faith, God is doing a work among us that we could not have imagined. Maybe things aren't going according to our plan because our plan was too small. Now, I know so many things are canceled. So many things are are closed. Schools are closed. Businesses are closed. And, and we're closed in our houses. But the Bible's still open. <laughs> and if the Bible is still open, Jesus is there among us with his presence and with his peace. And so would you open up your heart? Would you open up your eyes? Would you open up and take a step of faith? Would you be open to listen? Because he's here. Listen, he's still speaking. Peace be with you. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, this is so strange. According to our perspective, we shouldn't be locked in our homes. It's Easter. We should be at, 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 at church or at people's homes. We should be partying together. But maybe this is where you want us to be right now. In our homes so that you can come into our homes and our lives with your resurrected presence. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would replace all of our fear with peace. I pray that you would replace all of our doubts with hope. Pray, Lord God, that you would show up in ways that only you can resurrect our hope, Lord God, and, and point us to, to the ultimate. And when you return physically, visibly, and resurrect all of our bodies and make all things new, where there'll be no more pain or suffering or pandemics or crying or shame, for the old order has passed away. Lord Jesus, you rose from the dead, and we await your return. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.